Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. <laughs> so today we've got Nils Vinya, who is a customer success expert, leadership coach, recently published 30-day leadership playbook, uh, which I think is the culmination of you know, what you've been learning over the course of your career. We'll hear more about that in a second. And I think most importantly, you are the first sponsor of Gain, Grow, Retain. I think Jay and I should probably have a party that you know we finally we finally gotten a, a sponsor, um, but we're excited to um, to have you here till today, Nils. I know we've got a session coming up later in the month that we'll talk about. But um, first of all, welcome to the podcast. We should have had you on earlier, but you know we forced you to be here now because you're a sponsor. So welcome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jeff and Jay, for having me on. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. It's been a blast. This, you know, all things happen for a reason, and this was the right time for me to come on because this book is just about to hit uh, hit the worldwide availability, and I'm excited to talk to you and Jay about what's going on inside of it. Perfect. Well, before we even get into any of that, I always like to ask an interesting question to kick things off. Um, generally, it's a food-related question, but today we're going to go maybe with something a little bit more relevant. But besides your own book. If, you, if we were in your office, if there was something around that was easily picked up that I could grab off your desk, like what is it that you have right now around your desk that we could, uh, we could glean something from? So I've, I've got a solid stash of you know, the leadership books that I've, um, I cherish and have read many times over. I would say that uh, one, of my, you know, the, one of the ones that made the biggest impact on me at a point in my life where it was very needed, which was right after I graduated from college. Um, and it, it's one that a lot of people have heard of is the seven habits of highly effective people. And I always have that close at hand and it's always around in my office, not that far away, just because it's such a great reference back um, just to remind yourself of all the different habits and all the things that are universally applicable to literally everybody. And the way that um, they broke those things down into pieces, something that could be applied to literally anybody's life was just absolutely fascinating. And I actually read that book while traveling through Europe with my now wife, uh, then girlfriend, uh, post-college for about six weeks, we, we went on a Europe trip and, and that was my reading material. <laughs> I love it. My wife, always makes Classic. Of, my, my wife always makes fun of the books I read because she's all about non- She's all about fiction. I'm all about nonfiction and business books. And so we go on vacation and she's like, I can't believe you're reading that like for pleasure right now. Like, what are you thinking? Um, I've, well, I've received the same question many times. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> well, I can't uh, read fiction. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I literally can't. Definitely not. Um, that also goes for TV shows. I also am like out on fiction TV shows just as a side tangent. Mm. Um, but nice. we can talk about that at a different time. Different, uh, different conversation. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Nils, you know, Right before this, we were talking about some of the ways to think about, you know, framing up the session, you know, what we're going to talk about. And I really like the way you talked about um, kind of what the book meant and how we're starting to think about some of these concepts and the words you use for taking control. Um, and the also the other aspect was just the, the CEO of your own career. And so maybe let's start there just with, you know, how did, what do those mean to you? Why did you, you know, why are you kind of focused on those two um, sayings as you think about just positioning, you know, what the book means and, and how it can help somebody's career? Like what, what got you established on that? Yeah, and in order to tell you what it really means to me, I got to share the background and, and the story on that CEO of your career piece. So um, I joined an MBA program after spending a lot of time trying to figure out where do I fit in the professional world. Struggled, literally struggled unbelievably for the first seven years of my professional career. Didn't know what I was doing, didn't know where I fit, never really got promoted, just struggled. I bounced around from one thing to the next, trying to figure out where do I fit. Always answering the question, there has to be something more 
What is it? I don't get it. So I did what everybody does when they get really frustrated. I went back to school and, and, I, and I, I joined this MBA program. And one of the first Saturdays of the program, they would, uh, there was an opportunity to go see an outside speaker. So every once in a while, once a month or every six weeks, they would bring in an outside speaker on a Saturday morning, spend like nine to 11 or 12 um, listening to the speaker. And I was like, wow, this, this is really cool. Uh, let's go try it out. So I went, signed up. Saturday morning, 9 a.m., and the presenter walks out on stage, I'll never forget, stood right in the middle of the stage, stared out at the audience, what it felt like was eyes like directly on me, and just asked one ridiculously powerful question. And he said, are you the CEO of your career? That was it. That was the question. And in an instant, I, 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 was, I was stumped. I had no idea. And I started to all of a sudden like feel like I was flashing back through all of my past experiences over the last seven years of my career. And the resounding answer that came out of my mouth at that point in time was no, no, I was not the CEO of my career. And I began to get angry. I was literally visibly and physically angry with myself that I was not the CEO of my career. And in an instant, I knew looking back at the conversations I had, the leaders that I worked for, I always asked for where should I go? What should I do? I asked my bosses, you know my skills, you know my strengths, you know the organization, you know the needs of the future, where should I go? And I never got an answer. No surprise now, being in the position that I'm in, uh, because frankly, they didn't have an answer, right? They did not have an answer. That was not the right question to ask. I had to ask that question to myself. And so what I made the commitment to in that moment, that Saturday morning, in that chair, in that auditorium, my commitment was to never again not be in the CEO position. Right. So I'm a firm believer, and I use, share this with all of my coaching clients, everybody I've ever had an opportunity to interact with from a leadership or even employment perspective, is that ultimately you are the CEO of your career. There is only one person who's in charge of making the call on what's right for you, and you're the chief. So ultimately, this and whatever you've built in your life, whatever you've um, either accomplished or not accomplished, it's up to you. And when you take that level of control and that level of, from a psychology perspective, into yourself, you can do whatever you want, whatever it is, right? It's not going to be laid out perfectly for you, but if you make the commitment and then you engage others to help you, that's how the game changes. And that's what I did that from that point on, everything, you know, proverbially was up and to the right from, from that moment. And I can draw it back to that Saturday morning in grad school. So what was your, what was your career for the first seven years? Well, I worked in startups pretty much all that time. And I did everything, literally everything from being a software engineer which I was terrible at, like really bad, but I, I tried <laughs> in air quotes. <laughs> to the other end of the spectrum, I was a Xerox sales rep. I went door to door selling copiers, if you can believe that. <laughs> and I was equally as terrible at that. So I swung the entire spectrum. I did a little bit of time in solutions consulting, sales engineering, tiny bit in marketing, some business development. I mean, you name it, I bounced around to it. And inside of startups, there was always another opportunity or problem to solve. And they were happy to let me go and do other stuff. I just kept trying to figure it out. And I apparently was really bad at all of them until I found the customer success base, which basically said, take all those random skills that you acquired from the technology to the business, to the sales, to the marketing, and put them together to serve the needs of the client. Then I finally found the place that I fit in the world and became a coach. It came even better and so on. There we go. That resonates a lot with me because I think of, um, I almost think of that. I actually went through that same evolution that you did where I was literally just like bumping along and then, you know, I'd be get, I'd be put in positions and then I feel like I wouldn't have a choice. And then, um, uh, I think it was actually largely uh, going to work with Jay at Customer Imperative that like I actually felt like I could 
impact what I was actually doing. And I think it's uh, very, it's an, it's like a very freeing feeling, but at the same time, uh, you have scariness that comes along with it. Cause as you start thinking about, I need to make these choices, then you also think, start thinking about the negatives of what those choices could bring. And you never really had that before, right? Before I was just placed into a position and I was moved up and I got a promotion and like, I, you know, there was no negatives for me. Cause I didn't really, I didn't think about the capacity of that. Um, so when I joined Jay, I'll, this is just, I think a funny quick anecdote. Um, you know, Jay and I were trying to grow this consulting business and you know, we talk every single morning pretty much. And, you know, I'm like, first, one of the first days I'm there, I'm like, Hey, I've got this idea. I think we should go. Um, I think we should go start marketing to these people. I forget what it was or no, we were changing the sales deck for a meeting. This is what it was. And uh, I was like, Hey, we should go change the sales presentation uh, about how we position this to, you know, to the next prospect that we have, which was like the next day. And he, I just remember him looking at, at me and just literally saying like, yeah, like, okay, go ahead, go do that. And I was literally like, Oh crap. Like now I really need my own destiny here. Like I need to go do this. And then like we give the pitch the next day, but it just became this iterative thing. And I know that's a very small, it's not necessarily an example of like how I just chose my own, you know, I was a CEO of my own career, but in those moments, I think like those, those pieces where you could be like, Hey, like actually, no, you can go do that. Like now it's just us two. Like, I'm not going to chase, like, I'm not going to go do it. Like you're going to go do that. And then, you know, like we're going to go do this together. Um, I think it was just a really powerful moment for me. So that resonates to your story about, you know, are you, do you feel like you're the own CEO of your career? It, it, it really catapulted Jeff's career when he joined me, just to be clear. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But no, but no, there, there are some people, um, I mean, I, one of the things that I've started to look out for a lot in teams I work with in my own kids is victim mentality, even down to using victim words. Like I pick on victim words a lot. Like I don't really like the word try. I'm not going to try. Like I'm not going to be like Yoda. I'm going to do or do not. Right. There is no try. Um, but like that, that seems to be, you know, to me, a, a big factor in separating people who believe they're the CEO of their own career and can have control and who go and charge after things and create value versus maybe the people who don't. So have you seen in your career that same phenomenon? And like, how do we, how do we address that as leaders? And then how do we avoid that as individual or people who are responsible for our own careers? Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen it across the board. I mean, having experienced it myself on both sides of the spectrum. Me too. Getting Me too. Knowledge, and I think everybody has. If we look at the evolution of um, the relationships that employees and employers have, uh, it kind of speaks to why this is so important now. So 30 plus, 40 plus years ago, it was totally normal just to sign up for working for one company. And if you got into the right place at the right time, then you kind of just work there your whole career and ultimately, you know, had some form of pension at the end, right? That was just the normal uh, way in a lot of the American world, uh, you know, certainly other parts of the world as well. My dad uh, worked for one company as the CFO for 30 years and then he worked, continued working for the same company for the next four years as a coach. He worked with one company in one location in Los Angeles where we grew up for 34 years, right? By the time I got wow. to my third year, my professional career, I had already had like four jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. My dad he, was 36. He still looks at me like with trepidation, like I don't understand how you handle that much risk of jumping and changing and working for yourself and all this stuff. Like, he's, he's wonderfully supportive, but we come from completely different generations, of no surprise, but completely different worldviews on what work really is, right? And work, so when you are the CEO of your career and you look at your relationship with your company as a CEO of your career and the company looks at you as a CEO of your career, well then what do we have? We just have a bunch of people who are CEOs trying to partner together to create a bunch of value while we're together. And then it's okay because that's not gonna last forever. 
but while we're together, we're going to get the most amount of value out of each other. So this is why I always think it's an incredible thing when, you know, members of your team move up or move on, or maybe they go to another company to take a bigger opportunity that wasn't available at yours. That's wonderful, right? That's incredible because ultimately you got the most amount of value you could out of that person and they got the most amount of value they could out of that company while you were together. That's what it's all about. But it only happens when you, the individual, keeps track of that and, and knows that and believes that. And the company also believes that. Right. So it's, that is that is the fundamental shift from a you know, company level perspective that's happened over the last 10, 20 years and will continue on in the future because as CEOs, our single most valuable asset is us. And that's why it is so important to one, recognize that you are the CEO and number two, increase the value of your single most valuable asset, which is you, just like the CEO of a company's job is to increase the value of the company. Same metaphor, same uh, alignment, just using it as ourselves. And when we look that way, then everything changes because you are, you get to stick with you forever. <laughs> you get to share and partner with companies for a period of time, but you're, you're with you for the long haul. And that is a far more valuable thing to grow as opposed to just thinking about growing a company. Totally. And sometimes people run from things, right? I mean, I, how many times have we seen that? People who, who leave a job because they're not getting what they want. They've been there nine months, right? or been there 18 months or, and I'm not picking on people. I, I have one of those in my career. It was the wrong fit. I decided to move on. But like, I think we see a lot of that today. And, and, you know, sometimes I talk about this on LinkedIn. I think people don't like it when I do this, but like, if you've got a string of like one year, one year, one year, one year, it, like, why, why am I going to hire you? Because you're going to be gone in a year. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think you really lose an opportunity to learn something and to stick through something hard. If you leave somewhere after a year time and time again. Right. Um, so there's, anyway. and there's, there's always two, there's always two sides to the story. And I, I've been in that position myself, relatively short tenure at a few places, a couple, a little bit longer, but um, my longest tenure is still working for myself. So I think that says something. Accounts, <laughs> uh, totally. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the, you know, when, if you, if you solely are judging as a hiring manager and I've been in that position, like I, I want to ask the question, why, right? Why, why was there a bounce? Because what's, what's worse? One person who had a year of experience and then left the company to go to a better opportunity to get more different experience or someone who was at that same company for five years, but what they really did was have one year of experience and repeated it five times. See, I would argue in today's world, yep. the former yep. is, is far more valuable because they were taking a look at, again, their role at, from the CEO perspective and saying, you know what, what I want to do, what I know I can contribute at the highest level to this company and to others isn't isn't an opportunity here and therefore I need to focus on what's best for me in some other opportunity or venture or whatever it is right so there's always two sides to that story and um, I do laugh because I hear people talk about that all the time well you have the you know three things at less at a year or whatever and it just doesn't matter I think in grand scheme what we're trying to do is solve problems today more so than at every any point in the past right it's not about time it's not about tenure yep. it's about solve problems and if you can solve a problem whether it's a leadership problem, a customer success problem, an onboarding problem, a churn problem, a QBR problem, you can solve one of those problems, then you immediately have an opportunity to add value. That's what it's all about. Fair enough, fair enough. You got to stay corrected. Uh, well, Nils, as you, as you think about releasing the book and um, you know, like getting into a little bit of the, of the dynamics that you have there, like what, how, how do you think about the framework that you're trying to introduce into um, you know, your coaching clients and you know, introduce with the book? Like, What's the framework that you've established and, and why, you know, how do you think it can actually help to, to do a 30-day a leadership playbook? Like what's the, what are the dynamics there that we can start to introduce um, here during the, the podcast? 
Yeah, absolutely. There, so there are four pillars to this leadership playbook, and they are leading yourself, leading others, leading with communication, and leading with metrics. And we can dive into each one of these, um, depending on where you guys want to want to go down and, and drill into. But the key is that this is set up in a framework way. So all of my work as a consultant, everything you guys did uh, as customer imperative had to be done at a framework level because we had different clients from different industries with different size companies and different size teams. And the only thing that is consistent in that environment is a framework. And I think frameworks are one of the single most important tools in a leadership toolbox and often one of the least valued or least amount of time is actually spent on them. And so this playbook is actually a framework in and of itself. So I'm providing an example of a framework in addition to having a chapter explicitly focused on the power of frameworks, right? To be able to show that I could talk to you guys at higher logic. I could talk to somebody at Oracle, somebody at SAP, somebody at early stage startup, a, a round funded. So everything starts with leading yourself. Right. This, is the, this is the piece where it comes down to understanding what you are most talented to do so that from a leadership perspective, you're able to employ what I would call as a strength-based approach to leadership, which says that the greatest output and the greatest work product and the most amount of fun and engagement anybody will have is when they're doing work that's aligned with their strengths. So let's figure out how to diagnose that. It's a very straightforward process. And then we go in depth a little bit more on how to really claim your strengths. You know what they are, great. But if you can claim them and actually work that into your agenda of how you operate on a day-to-day -day basis, everything changes dramatically, right? And then there's other elements on the leading yourself around mastering your time and having the right psychology. And so all those core pieces are the foundational piece, which is why it's the first pillar. Like I recommend everybody go through that one first, and then you can skip to the others depending on whatever the topic is that is most of interest to you. Yeah. Um, I like the, in, this is interesting and I'm curious if you've seen this happen too. So uh, we follow, Dave Gerhard, um, pretty closely, who's, you know, marketing, he's um, at Privy right now and does a really great job. Um, and one of the things I saw him do, I'm part of his Patreon, and one of the things I saw him do recently, which I've actually started to write out myself, is a one-sheeter on what it's like to work with Dave. And so what he mm -hmm. did is he went through and he actually outlined and said, hey, like Mills, I know you're coming to work with me, whether it's side by side, whether you're reporting me, like whoever it is, but I'm going to introduce you to like how I like to work. The, the way I like to work and it's basically a one sheeter and it's got, it's, I think it's two sheets actually, but it's got a ton of things that they're like, you know, I like things that are completed or I like things that are finalized before I get to see them. I like to be part of the creative process. Like there's all these little anecdotes. Then he actually went and got quotes from people too that said, Hey, here are quotes from people who worked with me before that are like live mm -hmm. examples of like what you should do when working with me. And he said single handedly, it just speeds up the process of like getting somebody onboarded onto his team because people can start to just pick up on things like a little bit quicker and it's, you know, a great way to get introduced. I'm, I'm curious if you've seen people take a similar approach or uh, as you think about, you know, that section or that chapter that you're talking about, if that's kind of part of the, the way is almost like identifying and being able to write down on paper, like, this is what I'm good at. Like, here's the way I like to think about things. And this is like my approach to, to work in business. So th that one strategy actually employs a number of different topics that I cover. Uh, number one, like the strength side, this is, this is how I think about the world. This is how I see the world. So the, the more clarity you have in being able to articulate that, the easier your job is gonna be getting other people aligned to you to either receive what it is you're saying or understand where you're coming from in any kind of conversation. Um, so that's one piece. This, this, the other pieces are on the setting expectations, right? That is one of the core fundamental elements from a leadership position that if you are able to set expectations clearly and confidently, everything else becomes infinitely easier. And then the, the follow on or the, uh, the complement to that is the accountability piece, which ultimately is simply ensuring that those expectations are met. So that one strategy I 
really love that. And, and it's all about, you know, just bringing clarity to the thing that is most important at hand. And when a new employee is joining your team, it's about how I work. Great. Let's figure out how to do that. And you can combine these different um, plays in the playbook and make exactly things like that custom to your specific situation. Again, this framework that you cover uh, all the all the topics. However, the application of it's going to be different for you, Jeff, for you, Jay, for me, for anybody else out there listening as well. Yeah, I like I've uh, I've started to adopt it a little bit. So I like the fact that you just mentioned it hits on a bunch of different points, which are really interesting. Um, and how so leading yourself and then leading with others. Uh, I think leading others. Second, leading yep. others was the the second chapter you mentioned. Um, so how do you kind of flow into to leading leading others? Um, and you know, kind of take those strengths and what you've identified and kind of move into that next section. Like, how do you think about that transition and what are you, what are you trying to get across there, uh, with your coaching clients? So once, once you have completely confidence about who you are and how you lead and what the things are that you can do to control everything that's within your control, then it's all about, um, influence and the work that you do with others, right? As leaders, the single most important thing is that you're getting work done through other people. And the leader's job is to do everything possible to ensure his or her um, employees or teams are successful. So all of the topics I cover in the leading others category or uh, pillar really focus on the strategies and tactics that are proven that are going to help um, make that job a lot easier. So we talked about expectations. I call it, actually call that the secret sauce part one and accountability is the secret sauce part two. Um, and on all my years of consulting, you know, a large part of the work that I did boiled down to getting really good at setting expectations and really good at driving accountability. And that is a, one of the biggest things I do for my clients is also drive accountability for them because the higher up you go in leadership positions, the less accountability sometimes there is for the things that are beneath the one giant metric that you own. You know, you own net revenue retention. That's, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. Great. What about the eight million other things I have to do in order to drive that number? Right. There's not as much accountability. Whereas if you're at a first time manager level, there might be a ton more accountability that's placed on you as a result of just the way you operate and your experience in the role and depending on your manager as well. Um, so those are some of the, the key pieces. You know, there's, there's one other element I'll mention in that um, in the leading others piece, which I think is really important. Um, and that's this element of, of a social contract. And what that means is it's the unspoken agreements between an employee and employer. So when an employee joins a, an employer or a team, there's a certain set of expectations they have about what the environment is like, the type of work, what's gonna happen, et cetera. The team lead, the manager, the VP, or the employer has the same set of expectations, or oftentimes different, but a set of expectations on that employee. You're gonna perform this level, you're gonna do these things, et cetera. And most times, these are unspoken, and when they are unspoken, there's tons of opportunity for one side to violate the other side's social contract, and that's where you get conflict, and nobody knows why, and results in all kinds of challenges. So I've got very specific guidance on how to address that with the team and how to bring it to the surface. And it's one been an incredibly powerful tool I've used in many, many situations to bridge um, the tension gap between a VP and his or her team um, over and over. And it's, it's just makes a world of difference. It, can you like, can you share a little bit of the, like under the covers of what that tool actually is? Cause that is intriguing to me. I think about like onboarding and setting expectations, how we work as a company, like, trying to write some of those things down, make them not unspoken, but I'm curious what the, yeah. what the actual and mechanism the, is. The beauty of it is as a, it is as simple as a conversation and the comp, it's as complex as a conversation too. So in, in my role yeah. with teams as a coach, like I've been the facilitator between two sides. 
So this usually the point at which I get involved in these situations is there's a little bit too high a level of tension for the teams to come together on their own, just natural course of things happening over time. So I come in as a essentially a mediator in between and, and prior to that engagement, have the team write down all the expectations they have of the leader. And then I have the leader write down all the expectations they have of the team. And when we're in the session, it's about airing those expectations in your own words and then condensing them to a, a finite list of, you know, it can be a page or something like that. It doesn't have to be, you know, gigantic. But what you'll find is that most times, uh, most expectations overlap with each other on members of the team. Um, and the end result is a documented social contract between the two. Here's the best part is once it's documented and it exists, everybody can be held accountable, both leader and team member. So if the leader is not living up to their end of the bargain on whatever it was, supporting growth, development, you know, whatever feedback, whatever the expectations were that were agreed to, then they, get to, they should be held accountable. And the same thing, if a member of the team is not holding up their end of the bargain on the expectations of truly owning their accounts or being on top of every situation or being the one in charge to make sure we resolve customer issues, how far down the path the team is. And I've seen it at all different levels. If you catch this early, it's a piece of cake. Yeah. If you get it later, you probably need a facilitator like me to come in and help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the phrase that comes to mind for me when you talk about that is slow down to speed up. Because how many times do we just avoid having those conversations because it takes our, it, it's, it's important, but maybe not urgent as all the other things that we have going on. Our board, our customers, our team members, everything else going on, right? So the leading with communication pillar is really all about um, how to take what you do as a leader and turn it into something that anybody can understand. And one of the biggest problems that I see many leaders face is that they are not communicating at the right level of context for their audience. So whether it's a CEO, VP, director, manager, like everybody has a different place they're coming from, a different set of context, a different level of context. And that's where this power of frameworks comes into play that we started talking about at the beginning, which is if you're a leader, you should be leading from a framework perspective as in how you apply that framework into your particular situation is going to depend on your team and, your, and, and the environment and the challenges at hand. However, um, that is far more powerful than being a leader going to a new company and saying, well, here's the stuff I did at the last company, I'm just gonna do the same thing. No, no, it's, it's fundamentally different. If you go to a new company and say, well, these are the key pillars that I focus on from a leadership perspective, and my job is to apply this framework inside of this organization to achieve these results. That's ultimately what I want to help the leadership do. And most times, most people only really stop to think about this when they are in between jobs. They change out in, in between jobs. Oh, take a step back, think about this. And then they get asked uh, to present a, you know, how do you think about um, renewals? Or how do you think about, you know, uh, your customer strategy, whatever the big picture thing is. And then they have to come up with a presentation. And that's usually where this work happens. So my belief is that we should do that proactively on our own to be able to, to be a key piece of driving our leadership and just live with it, right? Just drive it. And that, again, being on the consulting side has been a blessing because frankly, that's what I've had to do for five and a half years. Yeah. The, the, other, the other piece that um, I like in that, what you're just talking about too, um, is the, the fact that you called out that there are different levels of communication for different parts of the organization and that we all need to be thinking about that. Like, just on a um, regular basis, because I think even, you know, again, from Jay and I, we were, it was just, you know, us two, we had uh, a couple of other employees on our customer imperative side, um, very, very small, uh, you know, that we had to deal with. And so now we're going into an organization that is, you know, 
almost a hundred times bigger theoretically um, than yeah. where we were uh, pretty close. And there's, it's totally different, right? Like the whole dynamics of how we go accomplish something, get something done. You know, I think we've talked about this before, but I'm an activator as part of, you know, one of my strengths finder. And it's like, you know, yes, I want to go activate on things, but now I've got a lot more people that I need to bring along in that journey. It's not just convincing Jay and a couple of people to go do that, right? Like we need to go get some, some other parts of the organization bought in. There's a lot more collaboration and there's a lot of people who need to be involved in that process. Um, and you know, that's, that's where I think you get into some of those pieces that are very different as you start to think about, like you said, applying the same framework just at a different organization because the dynamics like that uh, change the communication strategy. And I think you realize those pretty quickly how uh, things can get lost in translation, how you know, things start to get lost in terms of communication that was supposed to happen. Like, because you said there's so many things to your day to day that might get bumped up above this on the list, but I still think this is one of the most important things. And I think one of the things that you really appreciate as you start to learn more about leadership in your life and find good leaders that you like to be associated with is that they're good, clear communicators at the right time, I think is the, the big thing I've learned. Agreed, a million percent, yeah. And going through the changes you've gone through from customer imperative to higher logic is a perfect example of how important it is to pay attention to that context. Because in the, especially in the early days of working with higher logic or any other different company, that's the time to make the impression on how you communicate. And that is an incredible opportunity that if you haven't done the work ahead of time, can be really difficult and you don't wanna walk in with just a bunch of, well, here's what I do, this is exactly what we're gonna run. It's more about, well, here's what, you know, the, the framework of how I think about this problem that I'm, you hired me to solve. Now my work is to work with this team and figure out what the right solution is. And everybody's going to have a different level of what they're able to take away from that. So um, love that. And, and you're right in the middle of it, Jeff and Jay. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, the other piece that I think we had, had mentioned, I think Jay's got to hop, but uh, Nils, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. This is how authentic yeah. we are, you know, we just, people drop off, um, we're still gonna keep going. But um, one of the other pieces that I thought was really interesting that you mentioned on the leading others category or leading others pillar that you mentioned um, was potentially having first time leaders. And I think one of the challenges that I struggled with in my career was um, I've been a first time leader um, directly in terms of just leading people. And I think, you know, the challenge that I kept finding was that um, I would always get sucked down into the, into the work. And so I ended up, instead of being thought of as, not only like a leader myself, but, a, you know, an actual leader in the position and, and, you know, by name and by title and by like the way I was, you know, functioning in the organization. And I think uh, there's a lot of people that I've noticed out there that kind of struggle with that. You know, they're like, hey, I, you know, I'm moving up in this management position, but I keep getting pulled back down into stuff. And so people keep thinking of me as this player coach. How do you start thinking about that scenario and trying to help them, you know, kind of break free and differentiate themselves from the day-to-day -day work and the, you know, the work that they had been doing with the the leadership and the management type work that comes along with a, you know, getting a, a title bump and getting a, a position higher in the organization. The player coach is, is one of the hardest roles ever to, to fill. And that is because the transition from individual contributor to manager is probably the most difficult transition anybody will ever make in their professional career. And the reason for that is that it comes down to the focus and the mindset that is on each of those each of those parties. So as an individual contributor, you're in complete control. You know everything that you need to do in order to accomplish whatever it is you have to get done. You have complete control over virtually everything. However, as a manager, you almost lose all control. And your responsibility is to ensure that other people actually get work done. Whereas, and you can't really direct that. You can influence it, but you cannot mandate it or direct it and, and you lose control. So this is where a lot of people struggle and why you see people who are the best in their particular team or department, uh, they get promoted into a management position and then all of a sudden they fail. And within six months or 12 months, they're back in an IC position. 
And it was simply because they weren't able to make the mental shift that it's not about them, it's about their other, the other people, right? So if, if you boil down the first, the, for anybody struggling in that in-between phase, and especially as a player coach, is to recognize there's a part of you that still has control and that's okay, but there's a part of you that has to function in a different way. And that mindset is encapsulated by the fact that your job is to make other people successful. You don't matter as to the same level that you did before. Um, and when someone else does work that gets promoted and, and, and well-received, that's an incredible accolade for them. And it's not about you. And that can be a really hard thing, depending on if the person was, you know, a very high performer and used to a lot of praise or maybe even like that praise a ton. So the, the first area that I would recommend focusing on is the mindset and knowing that, and this isn't going to be forever, but for a period of time, there's going to be, you know, two sides of you that have to operate and you're going to have to split your focus in those, knowing that you're going to eventually shift more towards the, um, you know, working through others as opposed to doing it yourself. And I know everybody who's in that player coach mode absolutely desperately wants to do it. Um, but the other piece is just to be patient. It's okay. This is a process. Leadership is a long-term game. And that's why, you know, so the book is called 30 day leadership playbook. Reason for that is I cover a different topic every day for 30 days. You're not going to be a leadership expert in 30 days. I absolutely 100% do not advocate that at all. What I'm advocating is that over the course of 30 days, I can share a different topic on a uh, specifically related to leadership in one of these four pillars with you so that at the end of 30 days, you now have a completely different viewpoint of what leadership really is and probably will know, frankly, more about leadership than most people ever do. This is an area in our organizations, in our lives that often gets, you know, kind of passed along and overlooked. And just the assumption is made that if you grow up through the ranks, you automatically become a great leader. No, the greatest leaders have a playbook. They, they, they seek out the guidance from experts who have done this before. And that was a big part of putting this book together was being able to encapsulate that, bring everything together from my experience, my MBA in management, organizational behavior, being a professional leadership coach with 500 plus hours of coaching one-on-one, -on -one, helping people get promoted, like bringing all that into one place. I wish I had this playbook years ago yeah, yeah. when I was going through these transitions. But, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's part of the fun of getting to this point now. Yeah, definitely. No, I love that point. You know, I think in my career, I've uh, started to learn that more and more, right? As you get older, you start to see people doing it. You reach out to people who have done it before. You're asking them questions. Yeah. Like you're, I actually think, you know, selfishly, one of the best things that we did was start this podcast because Jay and I, you should see us on episodes. Like we're feverishly writing stuff down. And then like later we're like, Hey, we should try and go implement that because it's a great idea. Or like, Hey, we should think about that. So I think there is, yep. this, you know, knowledge. Uh, I think my, my big one takeaway, and I love this quote that you had said is that you have to be comfortable um, as you start to become a leader, right? You have to be comfortable doing things through others. Um, you have to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to have kind of, you're going to have to be one step removed, so to speak, in some of these elements and be comfortable and have trust. And there's all these things that I think come along with that in terms of the relationship uh, that stand up. But I think um, uh, we've got the, the four pillars that you mentioned. Will you run through them real quick again? Yeah, as it's uh, leading yourself, leading others, leading with communication and leading with metrics. Awesome. Well, leading with metrics, we're going to leave to the uh, you know, we're going to leave to the, to the whims. They're going to have to go buy the book. They're going to have to go uh, sit in the leadership coaching session to get that. So uh, we're going to leave that one for up for um, their own imagination, so to speak. And then one thing I just want to make sure too, as well, is if, um, is if you're part of our Gain Grow Retain community, if you're listening to this episode, we are going to host a session with Nils um, on third or Wednesday, almost said the wrong day, Wednesday, September 23rd at 11 a.m. Eastern, um, 8 a.m. Pacific. We're going to um, have a leadership session, you know, for our Gain Grow Retain members. Um, it is going to be a workshop that Nils is going to put on. Um, he's going through and building out kind of the framework of what that looks like right now. 
Uh, we're going to try and get a healthy amount of people, but hopefully not too big because we want to try and keep uh, you know, this effective for a number of folks. But uh, the idea is for Nils to kind of bring more of his book to life, uh, bring more of these concepts and these frameworks into a session um, and try and, and bring that to our audience. And so that's part of something that Nils uh, has offered and that we're partnering up with him. So we're excited to, to have that. So again, Wednesday, September 23rd, we're going to have Nils um, come talk more about some of his frameworks and talk more about the 30-day uh, leadership playbook that he is putting out to market. Uh, the last thing I want to mention too is that Nils, Nils's book is going to be released on Tuesday, September 1st. So we will uh, be releasing this episode shortly, uh, either on the first or shortly after. I'm going to shoot for the first um, so we can align this, but uh, that'll be exciting. Nils, where can they pick up the book? Yeah, you can get a copy at 3030dayleadership.com uh, is my website for this. See a little bit of the additional background, click buy the book. And when you buy the book through me, uh, I'm offering as um, promotions on the launch side, $200 in free bonuses. So be sure to get that all kinds of incredible stuff coming to celebrate the launch of this and getting it into the hands. And it's available um, whether you're in the US only or international, I'll ship it to you anywhere in the world. Awesome. That's perfect. So make sure to go to 30daylleadership.com and buy the book. If you buy it through the website uh, that you, he mentioned, you get $200 of additional value, which is going to be awesome. So Nils, uh, we appreciate you uh, becoming a sponsor of Gain, Grow, Retain. We appreciate you being uh, an active member of Gain, Grow, Retain as well. I know you put a lot into, into the community. And so we're excited about this book launch for you. We're excited to, to try and help evangelize the coaching, coaching expertise you built up over your career. I know uh, just in the short time, we've had uh, a good relationship with you that I've already gotten a ton of value and nuggets. And so I'm excited that you're, you're bringing that to the, uh, to the masses, so to speak. So uh, thanks for coming on and excited Thank to you. Uh, do this again at some point soon. Absolutely. My pleasure, Jeff, and appreciate the uh, partnership all through the way on Customer Imperative, Gain, Grow, Retain, Higher Logic. It's uh, nothing but good stuff working with you guys. So thank you very much. Hey, guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.